our podcast. Uh, this is in continuation, a continuation of our discussion on uh, the fisheries code and uh, we are now on section 16 alright so let's continue with our discussion on section 16 of the fisheries code this is about the jurisdiction of municipal and city government <clears throat> every time we uh, mention about a local government unit in a special law it is important that we correlate it to the local government code which is the kind of the bible for local government units and we try to find uh, corresponding provisions so here in section 16 the municipal city government shall have jurisdiction over municipal waters now there is a provision in section 17 letter b subsection or sub item 2 on the law of the local government code it provides that for a municipality extension and on-site research services and facilities related to agriculture and fishery activities which include dispersal of livestock poultry fingerlings and other seedling materials for aquaculture and enforcement of fishery laws in municipal waters including the conservation of mangroves there is also section 131 letter r or subsection r on the definition of municipal waters section 149 um, on fishery rentals fees and charges it says here that Municipalities shall have the exclusive authority to grant fishery privileges in the municipal waters and impose rentals, fees, or charges, therefore, in accordance with the provisions of this section. It appears that this jurisdiction and power of local government units to generate revenues <clears throat> within municipal waters is not only limited to charges imposed on fishery resources but also on the very use of the waters itself regardless of whether or not it is related to fishing why is this important to emphasize <clears throat> because this is the ruling of the supreme court in the case of capital wireless incorporated versus provincial treasurer of batangas which I mentioned to you in a uh, prior episode <clears throat> uh, we said that normally the province would have no authority or power over municipal waters but here there is an implication from the Supreme Court that in some ways the provincial government or a provincial government may have some powers over municipal waters pertaining to taxation or revenue generation now, Capital Wireless case was decided uh, on May 30, 2016. What is the, what are the facts and the law of this case relevant to the provisions of the Fisheries Code and of the Local Government Code? The Supreme Court said that there is an admission and the part, you know, Capwire, uh, Wireless Incorporated, is a con kind of a contractor uh, of PLDT. 
it lays down uh, its main business is to lay down internet cables across countries these are the um, uh, sea-based cables so Capwire here admitted that it co-owns the submarine cable system that is subject of the tax assessed and being collected by the province as the court you know the court took judicial notice that Nasugbu, Batangas is a coastal town and the surrounding sea falls within UNCLOS, the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea, which defines as a country's territorial sea to the extent of 12 nautical miles outward from the nearest baseline, over which the country has sovereignty, including the seabed and subsoil. It follows that indeed a portion of the submarine cable system lies within Philippine territory and this falls within the jurisdiction of the local taxing authorities. Now, such fact, according to the Supreme Court, easily belied Kampuar's contention that the cable system is entirely in international waters. And assuming, according to the Supreme Court, even if such a portion does not lie in the 12 nautical mile vicinity of the territorial sea, but further inward, the Supreme Court held that whether referred to as Philippine internal waters under Article 1 of the Constitution or as, arch as archipelagic waters under UNCLOS, the Philippines exercises sovereignty over the body of water lying landward of its baselines, including the airspace over it and the submarine areas underneath. Right? In other words, Philippines has clearly uh, has, has a jurisdiction with respect to cables laid in its territory that are utilized in support of other installations and structures under this jurisdiction. This is especially important, this case especially important because during this pandemic we need more internet infrastructure and local government units could learn from this case and raise their revenues when they find out and if these uh, uh, internet cables underneath the sea run through your municipal waters so you can tax them as far as local government units are concerned the areas described are to be considered subsumed under the term municipal waters and which under the local government code includes not only streams lakes and tidal waters within the municipality not being the subject of private ownership and not comprised within the national parks, public forests, timberlands, forest reserves, or fishery reserves, but also marine waters included between two lines drawn perpendicularly to the general coastline from points where the boundary lines of the municipality or city touch the sea at low tide and a third line parallel with the general coastline and 15 kilometers from it. Although the term municipal waters appears in the code, 
in the context of uh, the Supreme Court was referring to the local government code. In the context of the grant of quarrying and fisheries privileges for a fee by local governments, its inclusion in the local government code, which covers local taxation, means that it may also apply as guide in determining the territorial extent of the local authorities' power to levy real property taxation. In other words, the jurisdiction of authority or authority over such part of the uh, of the submarine cable system lying within the Philippine jurisdiction includes the authority to tax for taxation is part of the exercise of sovereignty and as such authority has been delegated by the by congress to the local government units with respect to real property taxation even over the municipal waters all right i hope that is clear if you have any questions feel free to ask me let's go to section 18 of the fisheries code users of municipal waters who may use underscore the phrase utilized by municipal fisher folk and the word descriptive word shall okay this is both an adjective and a, and a verb right shall be utilized by municipal fisher folk is there exclusivity in the use not necessarily However, it means that if you are within the register of the municipal fisher folk, you have the right, not just the privilege, but you have the right to fish in that municipal waters. Section 32 of the Fisheries Code. This pertains to fishing by Philippine commercial fishing fleet in where? international waters remember or highlight the phrase philippine registry as it refers to the fishing vessel that may be allowed to fish in international waters vessels of philippine registry may operate in international waters or waters of other countries that allow such fishing operations now Towards the end of this section, <clears throat> there is mention of fish workers on board Philippine registered fishing vessels conducting fishing activities beyond the EEZ. How should, they how should they be treated in terms of labor laws? Not considered as overseas Filipino workers. Okay. Section 35. Let's jump to section 35. This is about the incentives for commercial fishers to fish farther into the EEZ. Okay? And also, um, by the way, what is the motivation of Congress for laying down this policy of incentivizing commercial fishers to fish further into the EEZ? Two things. The first one is for to encourage them not to encroach in municipal waters so that there will be uh, a uh, greater share on the part of the underprivileged municipal fisher folk 
We mentioned a while ago in the previous ep episode the matter of uh, the capacity, overwhelming capacity of, of uh, big vessels, commercial vessels, to really scrape off the resources, top to bottom. So if they if they are allowed to operate within municipal waters or just near it, then we can expect that there will be uh, immediate depletion and destruction of resources in municipal waters to the detriment of the greater number of municipal fisher folk living in these coastal areas. So they are, uh, the commercial fishing vessels are encouraged to go further. And in addition to that, of course, because they have the better capacity to fish, then going further into the high seas will give them uh, 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 bigger sized fish, uh, fish, right? So they will have more catch and that will be better in terms of economics. Sections 41 to 42. This is about passages. Passages of what? Commercial fishing passages or the vessels for commercial purposes and other passages. What is meant by other passages here? This also covers passages by military or naval vessels. Commercial and other passages not in the regular conduct of fisheries activities shall be made at designated navigational lanes. Well, of course, naval vessels are not allowed to fish. They are just allowed to have innocent passages as quickly as possible within the route that was allowed by the uh, coastal state. Okay? But uh, anyway, we have designated navigational lanes for commercial vessels. Uh, whether they are for fishing, well, the law says not in the, in the regular conduct of fisheries. So what could this be? This be, could be um, ships that ferry people and commercial goods, not uh, fishery goods or fishery products. Section 42, transshipment. Now, this involves foreign fishing vessels, okay, that would like to make use of Philippine facilities or port facilities. These are foreign vessels that had have already captured fishery products outside or are have already are, are in the process of transporting fishery products that were obtained or procured outside of our territorial waters but before they are allowed to make use and enter our port areas they have to seek clearance from the department which department is referred to by the law the Department of Agriculture now let's go to section 45 this is about disposition of public lands for fishery purposes now highlight the word the phrase public lands now for this public lands they shall not be disposed of or alienated however Fish Pond Lease Agreements, FLA, may be issued for public lands that may be declared available for fish pond development. 
and such FLAs shall be granted to any Filipino citizen. Okay? Now, FLA is not considered an alienation or disposition. This is the clear intention of the law. While public lands may not be disposed or alienated, but lease agreements is not a form of alienation under this provision. That's why it allows for FLAs, in, uh, especially for Filipino citizens. Correlate this with Article 12, Section 2. Remember, Section 2 of the Constitution, Article 12, provides that all lands of the public domain, waters, fisheries, owned by the state. With exception of agricultural lands, all other natural resources shall not be alienated. Remember that maritime waters as well as public lands mentioned in section 45, the tidal swamps, mangroves, marshes, foreshore lands, ponds. These, these may be considered as suitable for fishery operations. Now, fishery operations is a classification of is a class of agricultural activity in other words these lands these areas may be designated as agricultural areas okay in other words some commercials some activities like leasing of these areas may be allowed and it's not anathema to the provision of the constitution Sections 80 to 81, right? The in-between provisions, by the way, that we skipped, uh, it's, they, they are a matter of reading, all right? So let's go to sections 80 to 81. Section 80 is about fishing areas reserved for the exclusive use of government. Highlight the phrase for the exclusive use of the government or any of its political subdivisions, agencies, or instrumentalities. For what purpose? For propagation, highlight again, for propagation, educational, research, and scientific purposes. And then in section 81, the department may establish fish refuges and sanctuaries highlight also in this section 81 the phrase towards the end of the provision now in the middle that in municipal waters the concerned lgu in consultation with the pharmacies may establish fishery refuges and sanctuaries why did i ask you to highlight them for both for sections 80 and 81 because you need to correlate this with the provision of the national integrated protect uh, national integrated uh, protected area system in so far as protected areas are concerned because there the, the definition of protected areas in the nipas law seem to seems to uh, jive with the provision and intention of sections 1881 okay for 
the setting aside of a particular area for specific purposes, propagation of fish species, for example. But how do they differ in terms of establishment, purpose, and jurisdiction? For example, the NIPAS law, RA 7586, provides in Section 4 the definition of protected area, which seemingly resembles the definition of fish refuge and sanctuary. Now, definition of protected area in the NIPAS law, it says, protected area refers to identified portions of land and water set aside by reason of their unique underscore the word unique physical and biological significance managed to enhance biological diversity and protected against destructive human exploitation now there is a law that amended the fisheries code and that is republic act 10654 which made an additional provision on marine protected area which comes under the jurisdiction of the department of agriculture and not within the dnr remember that the nipas law is being administered by the dnr whereas the fisheries code is being administered by the department of agriculture but it now clearly appears that in the fisheries code we now have a marine protected area but which is within the administration of DA. And we could have a marine protected area that could come within the jurisdiction of the DNR. Here is the definition of a marine protected area under the amended fisheries code. It means a defined area of the sea established and set aside by law, administrative regulation, or any other effective means in order to conserve and protect a part of or the entire enclosed environment through the establishment of management guidelines it is considered a generic term that includes all declared areas governed by specific rules or guidelines in order to protect and manage activities within the enclosed area note the phrase um, also established and set aside by law administrative regulation or any other effective means why is this important to highlight because in the NIPAS law the establishment of a protected area can only be through an act of Congress the president the executive branch is empowered to identify such protected areas but the establishment of it is exclusively for congress but here in the fisheries code as amended a marine protected area under da administration or jurisdiction may be established not just by law but also by administrative regulation meaning to say the da itself could issue an administrative order establishing an area as an mpa all right that is the, also one distinction 
between a protected marine protected area under the NEPAS law and a marine protected area under the fisheries code. Also in terms of the uh, resource that needs to be protected. Remember when I asked you to highlight the word unique in the NIPAS law as a definition of protected area, this is not present in the definition under the fisheries code. It's more of a general uh, term. Now that uniqueness must be based on scientific studies, meaning to say that the, say for example, the fish, uh, fish species existing or living in a protected area to be able to be classified as one that must be protected by legislative acts under DNR must have unique features that may not be present in other areas. Some uh, fish species may only be, some, some kind of uh, species of fish may only be found there and not anywhere else. And that makes it unique. Alright? These marine protected areas are within DA jurisdiction if established under the fisheries code. Now, Section 101 of the fisheries code fishing in marine protected areas fishery reserves refuges and sanctuaries it shall be unlawful to fish in marine protected areas fishery reserves refuges or fish sanctuaries as declared by the department or the lgus this is the same also for protected areas under nipas law okay the same prohibition in fact in the case of uh, resident marine mammals not just fishing is prohibited but any other activity that will that could substantially alter the conditions of the marine environment is also prohibited to help resolve our seeming confusion on the jurisdiction and establishment of a marine protected area there may be a very fine distinction between a fish refuge sanctuary marine protected area administered by DABFAR and a protected area under NIPAS administered by DNR. You may find it in the case of resident marine mammals case, as we said. And the Supreme Court said the Tanyon Strait, which is a protected seascape established by Congress, pursuant uh, to, that, to, a, to, a, to a proclamation, was set aside and declared a protected area under the category of protected seascape. The NIPAS Act defines a protected seascape to be an area of national significance characterized, this is the character of a protected area under the NIPAS law, by the harmonized interaction of man and land while providing opportunities for public employment through recreation and tourism within the normal lifestyle and economic activity of these areas. This is for a seascape. There is a PAMBI also that established a protected area management board. Just like in Isarog, Mount Isarog is a protected area. There is a management council called PAMBI. Indeed, there are jurisdictional gaps and conflicts in the institutional structure 
for coastal management that are apparent. Administration, the regulation, enforcement functions of the BFAR were abrogated and subsumed as one of the food production divisions of the D8. Meanwhile, BFAR, DNR were given mandates for fisheries development. Right? This poses a problem in enforcement, monitoring, evaluation, and sustainability considerations. Now read the entire chapter 6 of the Fisheries Code on the prohibitions and criminal penalties. And then alongside that, read the case of Sea Lion Fishing Corporation versus People. Confiscation of Fishing Vessel FBC Lion pursuant to Article 87 of RA 8550. Again, I call your attention to the amendatory law, RA 10654, that amended many of the provisions of the Fisheries Code. But I would like to take special note of the new provisions in the, that amendatory law, RA 10654. It has taken on a more positive approach towards environmental protection of all waters covered by the code, as it allows now for two very important tools for every citizen to effectively participate in the protection of waters because you have two important additional provisions section 138 now of the fisheries code is amended provides for citizens suits okay remember oposa versus factoran case in the oposa versus factoran case uh, the children were allowed to litigate to file the petition as citizens because of transcendental importance now that pronouncement has been institutionalized in many of our not dress and envy laws in other words any person who if you are a citizen any citizen may now file an appropriate civil criminal or administrative action in courts in quasi-judicial bodies or in administrative agencies such as DA before against any person who violates or fails to comply with any provision of the fisheries code any provision of the fisheries code regardless of whether or not you have been directly or indirectly affected for as long as you are a citizen a person an individual uh, in Mindanao may file a case against a violator of the fisheries code who made a violation in Bicol any violation okay the department the DA and other implementing agencies with respect to orders rules and regulations issued inconsistent with this act a citizen may file against such a government agency when it comes in conflict with the fisheries code when they issue regulations okay 
Say for example, constitutionality of an administrative order or the establishment of uh, uh, an area or an exclusive uh, an administrative order that excludes, for example, uh, fisher folk, municipal fisher folk, from uh, exercising the right to fish in municipal waters. That is in conflict with the fisheries code, and and any citizen may question the constitutionality of that without encountering any problem on the legal personality or law of standing to file the case. You may also file as a citizen against any public officer who willfully or grossly neglects the performance of duty that is specifically enjoined by the fisheries code. Now, this pertains to a mandamus case okay because the elements of mandamus are present here there is a duty required to be done by a public officer in the regular course of his uh, performance of functions so there is a mandate for him to do such a ministerial duty and he neglects whether willfully or grossly the performance of such duty then you have a cause of action for mandamus say for example a commercial fishing vessel that's uh, seen fishing in municipal waters and uh, the DABFAR fails to apprehend that vessel okay you can file a case for mandamus as a citizen even if you are someone an advocate living in well you may even be living abroad for as long as you are a citizen of the philippines you have personal knowledge of such a violation such failure on the part of the government perhaps you are using uh, technology to be able to acquire personal knowledge about such a neglect of government agencies or officials now the second important addition to the fisheries code is section 139 what is this about this is about slap okay which is very common now in environmental laws what is slap this has been given in the bar exam so many times okay strategic lawsuit against public participation in the enforcement of for of this fisheries code again what is slap s-l-a-p-p -P, strategic lawsuit against public participation what is this slap it is a legal action filed to harass vex exert undue pressure or stifle any legal recourse that any person institution or the government may uh, has taken or may take in the enforcement enforcement of the fisheries code and such a harassment suit shall be called a slap okay the hearing on the defense of a slap shall be summary in nature 
affirmative defense of slap shall be resolved within 30 days after the summary hearing. If the court dismisses the action, the court may award damages, attorney's fees, and costs of suit under a counterclaim if such has been filed. Okay? The dismissal shall be with prejudice. These are terms that you would encounter in your remedial law. Now, if the court rejects the defense of a slap, the evidence adduced during the summary hearing shall be treated as evidence of the parties on the merits of the case, and the action and the action shall proceed in accordance with the rules of court. Now, this the last paragraph of this section makes reference to the rules of procedure for environmental cases that shall govern the procedure in civil, criminal, and special civil actions involving the enforcement of violations of this fisheries code, including actions treated as SNAP, as provided in this section. We will discuss a lot more of the details of uh, SLAP and the environmental the rules of procedure for environmental cases later on but good to know that there is now a proactive provision pro-environment provision and pro-advocacy provision under the fisheries code in addition to that you cannot ask courts for injunctive reliefs against DABFAR especially when they are truly performing their jobs in accordance with the law very efficiently performing their jobs anyone especially violators may not ask the courts for injunctive reliefs what are injunctive reliefs there are uh, temporary restraining orders preliminary prohibitory injunction these are matters that you will encounter in your remedial law now section 134 says something about that prohibition on the issuance of temporary restraining orders, preliminary injunctions, and preliminary mandatory injunction. For as long as the, the DA and the BFAR are performing their regulatory functions in support of the implementation of the fisheries code. Alright? That concludes our discussion on the fisheries code. I will post uh, supporting cases in Blackboard, so uh, make sure that you check your Blackboard from today and until Monday. But before we, uh, we end this session, this episode, we have some parting words that, we'll, uh, that reflects on uh, matters that we discussed. In so far as the legal and jurisdictional framework for coastal management, well, coastal management is an increasingly important issue for the Philippines. More and more Filipinos have come to realize now the tremendous impact that coastal resources have on our economic development and well-being. The contribution of coastal resources to food security is very significant. Imagine the 50% nutritional value coming from fishery products. 
that our bodies need. And this needs to be factored prominently into food security programs, both at the national and at the local levels. In other words, coastal resources being increasingly under threat from overexploitation and destruction, whether the uh, cost comes from factors, elements, or individuals, corporations from within the Philippines, or externally coming from foreign vessels, foreign governments, they need to be managed well. These coastal resources need to be managed very well, very efficiently. For whose benefit? For future generations, for our generation, and for future generations to come. Now, a good coastal management provides for the tools for slowing and reversing the negative impacts of uncontrolled use of these resources. Because coastal management provides the essential processes for integration of all sectoral, spatial, temporal, policy, and institutional components that are necessary to achieve our goal of sustainable development that will lift us up from this economic misery that we're having, especially now that we have a COVID-19 pandemic. Thousands, if not millions of people have lost their jobs in the Philippines alone. And the agriculture sector is the most resilient now, including the fishery sector. And just like what our Vice President said, that we have to take advantage of this resiliency of the agriculture sector to bring about the rebounding of our economy. It's on the shoulders of agriculture, of fishery sector, that the bouncing back better could become feasible. The national policy and legal frameworks for coastal management, as we understood it now, consists of national laws, administrative issuances, and international treaties and agreements that define or guide management responsibilities for the use of coastal resources. One example of international agreement uh, that, that uh, uh, we have is the one that I mentioned to you about the UN Sustainable Development Goals. But we have still weak implementation of policies and laws. Because we have, for example, legal and jurisdictional conflicts that arise from this myriad of legislation and administrative issuances affecting different types of economic activities in our coastal areas. We also have very conflicting interpretations of laws and very poor dissemination of information that contribute to the difficulties in implementation. There is a multitude of institutions, both at the national and local levels, with mandates of coastal management. They have overlaps. And finally, we have complex issues. We have wide geographic coverage, breadth of activities, multiple stakeholders that must be addressed by coastal management programs. All right? So that's it. You have understood clearly, hopefully, Fisher's Code of the Philippines.
questions could be posted in Blackboard and I will answer them and uh, I will also assign students to uh, recite using voice or video recording. Alright, so that's it. I'll see you next week for the next episode of our topic and uh, that is on forestry loss. Stay tuned. God bless and uh, pray for everyone, especially those who got sick and uh, who are having difficulties right now, whatever difficulty you may have. I pray that uh, God, that you will come to God for uh, your problems. We cannot resolve our problems on our own. We can only do so with the permission, with the help of our Lord Jesus Christ. So good morning or good day as the case may be.